Grace and peace and God's blessings to every single one of you. This evening, we're talking about the spiritual experience is sacred. We all have a spiritual experience. We all go through it. Some of us recognize it. Some of us don't recognize it. We know something happened, but we can't really comprehend it to its full extent. That spiritual experience is sacred. So we're going to talk about the sacredness of it and the fact that we shouldn't be telling everybody about it indiscriminately because they just cannot comprehend. So this evening I'm looking for three readers. Isaiah 26 verses 1 to 5. Isaiah 30 verses 13 to 15. And Psalms 121 verses 1 to 5. This evening's session is titled, The Spiritual Experience is Sacred. Or we could make it personal. Our spiritual experience is sacred. Oh, last week we talked about the fact that the kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is within you. But it is necessary to sit in quietness and to be at peace to make this contact with that kingdom. So that in addition to what we read or hear, we begin to receive impartations from within. You have to make the contact. When we begin to receive impartations, we have made at least a start on the spiritual path. It is at this point that we must be most careful because it is then that we need not only the realization that this is a sacred experience, but also that it is a secret one. To expect anyone to believe what unfolds from within would be like trying to tell a blind man about the beauties of an orchid. He has no way of visualizing what the orchid is like, nor does the man of earth have any way of knowing what manner of life is lived by the person who has his being in Christ. They just do not understand. Never should these things be spoken of indiscriminately because our pearls will be trampled upon and even our faith may be taken away from us. It is so easy for a person to say that a really deep and significant spiritual experience could not and did not happen that it was just a meaningless dream and that we were imagining things and his skepticism causes doubt to creep in and rob us of our joy. If you go talking about indiscriminately to people, they are skeptical of what you're saying and that will creep into you and rob you of your joy. I am talking from experience. 
I know what I'm saying, but I had the good sense not to tell anyone. Only person I told was Pastor Boyce. And then lately I started telling you on the line here because I feel everybody here will understand. And some of you have experienced what I had experienced. I work in an office, a huge office, several floors of workers, each in different departments. I never tell any of my co-workers. I couldn't. They will not understand. They could not understand. And all they will do is criticize and put doubt in my head. Because when you go through and experience something so unreal, you doubt yourself as to the extent of what happened. But that is the time when you need to hold on. When you need to go within and hold on. So let's talk about that tonight because I feel some of you are getting ready to walk through that kind of experience. Amen. So now we will go to the readers. That's my preamble. We'll go to the readers and then we will come back and get into this evening session. The spiritual experience is sacred. Let's start with the first reader. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth, may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwelleth on high, the lofty city, he layeth it low, he layeth it low, even to the ground, he bringeth it even to the dust. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Next reader. Therefore, this iniquity shall be to you as a branch ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant, and he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that it broken in pieces, he shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the brushing of it a shred to take fire from the earth, or to take water with all out of the pit. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall he be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength, and he would not. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Next reader. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. 
Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Thank you. You all were beautiful. Now, these experiences, the experiences that we will have on the spiritual part are secret. And not only do they not come to anyone except through an intense devotion that makes for sacredness, but they will not abide unless they are kept secret. It is true that there are some friends with whom we can share these things, but they are friends who have had the same experiences. We need never hesitate to share our experiences with the illuminated, however, because they know the language we are speaking. They know what these experiences mean, and in some measure, they themselves had them. If not exactly the same ones or the same way, at least they have had enough to know that what we are sharing is a precious pearl. Now, through meditating and pondering truth, a time comes when a click takes place within a definite awareness that something has happened that never happened before. And from then on, we nurse it. I told you when it happened to me. I was in a church, not my normal church that I attend. I was helping out a bishop. I was sitting in the back of the church. And I was just saying, look at God's people. Because where I work, in my office, there was one black girl, one, that worked on the on the sixth floor. But So there wasn't a lot of black women. I'm from Ottawa. And I got transferred down here, lumped into this office. So I've never seen a, a huge congregation of black people together like that. I've seen them mix, and but not like not like that in that church. There was a joy in my heart, and I'm seeing. Look at and all women, all women, and they were praying and in such earnest earnestness in their prayer. And I'm sitting and I wasn't praying. I'm I'm just in awe, and I'm saying, look at God's people. Look at all these beautiful women. All they're just worshiping their God and loving up their God, and that is what the meditation was in my head. I call it a meditation, but for me, I don't know what to call it. That is what was going around in my head. They were praying and doing all sorts of stuff, but I wasn't. I was just, I was just in awe and glorifying God when it happened to me. But most of the time, it's through meditating and pondering truth a time comes when the click takes place within a definite awareness that something has happened that never happened before and from then on we nurse it 
because that's what you do. You hold a little in your heart like Mary when the angel visit her and she give her this news. She she afraid to tell anybody. She just pondering this thing in her heart. So we retire into ourselves and more and more frequently, not for long periods of time, but many times a day and several times a night until we are so established in God that there does not even seem to be a human selfhood left to care for. You just into yourself. This other thing is caring for us. It provides an advance for something of which we have no knowledge of, needing at that present time. And let me tell you, that is a time when I was given such, all while I'm experiencing this spiritualness within myself, at my job, I'm given some tasks that I have no knowledge of, but the Holy Spirit is just guiding me to where I will obtain the wisdom necessary to complete the task that is given on my job. It was truly phenomenal. Now, there is an invisible wisdom governing our life. There is an invisible love enfolding us, providing, caring, and protecting, and sustaining us. It is through our dedication and concentration that we bring this about. It will not happen to us out of the blue, although it has happened occasionally to a few persons who, without even having a thought in their mind of a spiritual subject, suddenly had an experience such as this. But then, because they knew nothing of its nature, very often they have lost it and have been unable to recapture it. That is not true of us. Because when we have the experience, we know why we have it. We know that the divine presence, the Holy Ghost, has descended upon us. And we know that since this is true, we can return again and again and again to this quiet withinness and bring back into conscious expression until eventually the day comes when this is no longer necessary and the Christ is really living our life. The ultimate is being reached and then we become so established in this that there really is little, no little eye to take care of. Something invisible is always doing the taking care of in advance. No. All that the Father, the invisible, the infinite, has is made manifest through our individual being. I want you to know this. Uh, you could make it personal. All that the Father, the invisible infinite, has it made manifest through my individual being. This inner meat that I have, and which the world knows nothing of, 
appears outwardly as food on the table. This spiritual water that I have within bubbles up into life eternal. The power of divine grace that is now mine by virtue of my oneness with God becomes my resurrection. And even my body is raised up out of the tomb of disease, the tomb of old age, the tomb of infinity, and is restored again to its normalcy and harmony. As I consciously realize that I am fed from within and that all that the Father have is flowing in me and through me, even the lost years of the locusts are restored. The money that has been lost or disappeared begins to return. Reputations that have been ruined are remade and the body that was weak and ailing is restored to health. Out of this infinity, all things become new. All that I shall ever need is given to me from the infinite source within my being, continuously fulfilling God's plan as individual being, bringing out lives into conformity to the pattern shown us on the mount. Now, it is possible for every person in the entire world to experience that joy. It is possible for every person in the entire world to experience this joy. But each has to come to it individually. No one can do it for anyone else. The whole distance must be traveled by the individual. There are those who can be a help to us, who can shorten the time and relieve us of many of the human burdens of our experiences. But let us always remember that these are temporary dispensations. The final attainment is the one we ourselves achieve through a conscious activity of our consciousness. We must know the truth consciously. You have to consciously know the truth. We must do our own meditating. Whether it is contemplating the word of God, the mysteries of God, or a garden, or the awesomeness of the ocean, or the grandeur of a mountain, we must find something to take into our meditation that we can ponder, something that will bring us eventually to the realization of this that underlies the visible, which permeates it, creating, maintaining, sustaining. Remember the word of God that was read. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. That's the word of God that was read. I will meditate upon the Lord all the day and all the night. 
I will meditate upon the Lord. I will lift up my eyes unto the hill from whence cometh my help. I will lift and move and have my being in divine consciousness. I will dwell in the word and let the word dwell in me. This is the word of God. All this must become a part of our consciousness. But in addition to that, we have an obligation of adhering to the pattern given us by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by which we mold our lives in order to maintain the spiritual life. First of all, we must pray for forgiveness of our own sin. There is no one on this earth so righteous that he is not daily sinning against the Holy Ghost. You show me someone. There is no one on this earth so righteous that he's not daily sinning against the Holy Ghost. Every time that we bear false witness against a neighbor, every time that we indulge our hate, our fear, our jealousy, our animosity, our bigotry, our bias, we are sinning. Every time we indulge in these things, sins are not just those major offenses against society and individuals that most people have overcome before they enter the spiritual life but sin is something that normally we do not even consider as sin it is necessary therefore that we pray frequently and seriously to be forgiven for those sins of omission and commission that may be soiling us and keeping us from being at transparency those bits of darkness that are accumulated and withhold the light that's the first step to pray for forgiveness daily the second step is to engage in these periods of forgiveness for the dictators of the world and especially for those who would personally harm us, persecute us, lie or cheat, realizing that it is but the cardinal mind that exists only as the arm of flesh and is without power. The carnal mind exists only as the arm of flesh and is without power. Let us make sure that we are living in an atmosphere of continuous love and forgiveness. And even though we may thoughtlessly indulge at times in resentment or animosity, let us retire quickly into the silence and begin a period of self-forgiveness as well as forgiveness of all others. Life was not meant for the glorification of ourselves. We do not have the right to seek things for ourselves or for our personal glory. We must show forth the glory of God in service to man. We cannot live unto ourselves or for ourselves. The wonderful things of life that are given to us and they do come bountifully, abundantly, joyously, come 
not for us, but that God's grace may be witnessed and may be used for the benefit of mankind. No greater spiritual leader from the earliest days to the most modern uh, metaphysical days has ever lived unto himself or for himself. His life has always been a continually giving of himself and his possession to the work and to those who partake of that work. So it is that we never receive anything of God that we may be glorified or that we may be enriched or that we may be healed. Everything that we receive, we receive in order to bear witness to God's goodness, God's presence, and God's grace. Hear me, somebody. I'm just going to repeat this first and second step. I'm not going to keep you long tonight. The first of all, we must pray for forgiveness of our own sins. There is no one on earth so righteous that he is not daily sinning against the Holy Ghost. Every time that we bear false witness against a neighbor, every time we indulge our hate, every time we indulge in fear, jealousy, animosity, bigotry, or bias, we are sinning. Sins are not just those major offenses against society and individuals that most people have overcome before they enter the spiritual life, but sins is something that normally we do not even consider as sins. It is necessary, therefore, that we pray frequently and seriously to be forgiven those sins of omission and commission that by soiling us are keeping us from being a transparency. Those bits of darkness that accumulate and will hold and withhold the light. The second step is to engage in these periods of forgiveness for the dictators of the world and especially for those who would personally harm us, persecute us, lie or cheat, realizing that it is but the carnal mind and that it exists only as the arm of flesh and is without power. Let us make sure that we are living in an atmosphere of continuous love and forgiveness. And even though we may thoughtlessly indulge at times in resentment or animosity, let us retire quickly into the silence and begin a period of self-forgiveness as well as forgiveness of all others. Life was not meant for the glorification of ourselves. We do not have the right to seek things for ourselves or for our personal glory. 
we must show forth the glory of God in service to man. We cannot live unto ourselves or for ourselves. The wonderful things of life that are given to us and they do come bountifully, abundantly, joyfully, come not for us, but that God's grace may be witnessed and may be used for the benefit of mankind. No great spiritual leader from the earliest days to these modern times ever live unto himself or for himself. His life has always been a continuous giving of himself and his possession to the work and to those who partake of that work. Remember I said no great spiritual leader. We know we have all kinds. So it is that we never receive anything of God that we may be glorified so that we may be enriched or that we may be healed. Everything that we receive, we receive in order to bear witness to God's goodness, to bear witness to God's presence, and to bear witness to God's grace. I will stop here. Amen, amen, amen.